Today is our final week in our series called Restorations, week seven, as we've been walking through some of the things that God does, some of the things that Jesus did, and now today, some of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives to restore us. And I'm really glad that you're here today, everyone. Uh, For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm glad that you're here. Those of you who are here in the house, uh, for those of you are on, who are on the backstage patio um, on this great weather day, you guys have the best seats in the house, I think. And uh, for those of you who are watching or listening or a part of things uh, live online, we're glad that you guys are with us as well. And uh, today, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John 16, although we're going to be all over the place today. Uh, we're going to be all over the place today as we, I think, really discover what God's Holy Spirit really does in the life of the believer. And so for some of you, today is going to be revolutionary. It's going to be brand new. It's going to be something that maybe you've never heard before. For some of you, it's going to be something that is familiar. Uh, It might be kind of cast in a different way and that sort of thing. Maybe you might learn a few things or maybe you won't. I don't know. Uh, But uh, for others of you, it might just be review and you may you may just kind of have uh, just a moment of going, oh, yeah, I'd maybe forgotten about these things. But my prayer, my prayer is that we all as Christ followers would listen and that we'd be led by God's Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes figuring out what that exactly means is a little bit difficult. It's hard for us maybe to understand. So far, we've talked about the cup of restoration, meaning the deliverance that God offered his people from uh, the hands of the Egyptians and how that relates to us from sin and, and the life that we have in freedom. We've talked about restoration and how rest, spiritual rest, is a part of restoration and that we can find spiritual rest when we find Jesus. We've talked about how we can be restored by the mind, how we can have restoration of relationships. And of course, last week we talked about restoration and how it relates to salvation. And we talked about this phrase, born again. We talked about how we can be born again spiritually. And I just wonder sometimes, I don't know about you, I wonder sometimes what might have been happening after Jesus rose again from the dead with his followers. You know, these are, these are men and women, by the way, who did, they, they left everything to follow this rabbi named Jesus. And all of a sudden he dies and he goes into a, a tomb, into a cave, and he rises again three days later. What happened afterwards? Because the truth of the matter is that his followers would have seen power. They would have seen restoration. They would have watched as blind, those who were blind got their sight. He, they would have seen people raised, Lazarus raised from the dead. They would have seen healing. They would have seen the miracles. They would have been in Cana when the water turned to wine. They would have been there when they themselves were personally going through something in their lives, and they could actually see Jesus with their own eyes maybe even touch his hand with theirs. And they had that experience that was incredibly close. I wonder what would have happened. I don't know about you, but I wonder what would have happened. What did happen when Jesus rose again? And this reality is, is that Jesus had told them, we're going to take a look at this in a moment, that the hour was coming when he was going to go away and there would be another helper, an advocate, someone to guide them. I'm calling it the agent today of restoration. Here's the truth of the matter. 
I think that the American church, I, I don't think that we really understand God. I don't think we really understand who God is, and we don't understand especially this part of God. Because I think that we have a concept, and we hear in church a lot about God the Father, and we hear a lot about God the Son, but then when we come to God the Holy Spirit, we kind of say it like this, God the Holy Spirit. We kind of hide this aspect of God, don't we? I mean, don't we? We don't hear much about the work and the person and the personality of the Holy Spirit because the truth of the matter is, is that God is three in one like we just sang about. He is three in one. He is a triune God. The Godhead is God the Father and God the Son. And I want you to say it with me, God the Holy Spirit. And the truth of the matter is that God's Spirit has been at work since the beginning of creation. Today we're going to start in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be taking a look at how the Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning. I read a stat recently from George Barna, who conducts surveys on, on church and Christians and uh, what's going on in America related to spiritual things. And he found recently that nearly 60% of Americans who regularly attend churches, Christian churches, say that there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to hear this again. George Barna, who's a pollster, is a very reliable source, has a great company, the Barna Group, he did a survey and found that 60%, nearly 60% of Americans who regularly attend Christian churches say there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. God is God the Father, God the Son, and you can say it with me, God the Holy Spirit. An important part of the triune God. He goes on to say, he says that they say, the 60% that don't believe in the Holy Spirit or say there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit, they say the Holy Spirit is just a symbol of God's power or presence or purity. And listen, church, I want you to hear today that if you and I relegate the Spirit of God to just a symbol, we are done ever having any kind of restoration in our lives. Because we need God's Holy Spirit as believers. We need his presence. We need his agency in our lives. And the truth is, is he's been there from the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, 1 and 2. All the way back in creation. All the way back in creation. In the beginning, we're going to cover it all today. We're going to write from Genesis. We're going to go all the way through Revelation. So hang on. Get comfortable. Some of you are like, what? Are you kidding me? i got a brunch to go to right now. Uh, I'm not, I promise you we're not going to do that. But we're going to start here today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the, say it with me, spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God's Holy Spirit has been involved in redemption since the creation of the world. He's been a part of what's going on. And today, he's a part of your life. He's a part of my life. He's part of the church. And if we allow him, he can be a part of leading and guiding us if we allow him. You see, the God of creation makes things new the god of restoration excuse me the god of creation makes new things the god of restoration makes 
things new. And the Holy Spirit is involved in all of it. The Holy Spirit's involved in all of it. I'm going to do something today for those of you who are here in the room, and you can do this at home, and you can do it on the backstage patio. I'm just going to ask this question today. How many of you have accepted, at some point in your, in your life, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I just want you to raise your hand this morning. Okay, you can put your hands down. Each of you who raised your hand this morning, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is already indwelling you. We're going to come back to that word in a few moments. And he is at work in you. But here's the really cool, amazing thing. Is that your lead up to coming to a place where you trusted Christ as your Savior. The time when you were maybe lost or maybe you had kind of just gotten irritated and mad at God. And you were away from the church and away from him. And you didn't want to have anything to do with him. And he brought you back. And then you got saved because you realized you never had believed before. God's Holy Spirit was at work in in the lead up to your coming to Christ. He's been at work from the beginning, putting people and things in your life that would point you to the Savior. That's a prayer that we prayed for our kids since before they were born, that God's Holy Spirit would put things and people in their life that would lead them to accepting Jesus as their Savior. And that happened to you, those of you who are saved, and those of you who aren't yet. Here's the thing. God's at work. God's Holy Spirit is at work right now. In fact, it might even be today that he's at work leading you to a person or people or place that might point you to the Savior. He's been at work since the beginning of the world, but he's also involved in our salvation, the regeneration of our dead spirit, man's dead spirit, is that we were made alive and, and because of what Christ did on the cross. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit that leads us, that leads us to the point of salvation. John chapter 3, 5, and 6, Jesus said this. And we looked at this last week, by the way, on Easter Sunday. We looked at this last week in part. But he says this. He says, truly, truly. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit has been at work in you, leading you to the point of salvation. You might have a moment in your life where you, you had that, that moment maybe when things were going bad and, and it looked like, like all else was going to fail and you finally just said, you know what, I have tried everything else, but for some reason, God's leading me to maybe try Jesus. As we talked about last week with Nicodemus. Maybe you kept on being curious about God and the things of God. And finally, you had that moment when you just surrendered. You gave up and you asked him to be your savior. That was God's Holy Spirit working in your life, ordering your steps. And he was a part of your salvation. But he's also a part of our continued spiritual lives. He's a part of the restoration process when we fail him. He's a part of the repentance process 
when we sin. Because here's the thing. All of you who raised your hand and said, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I want to ask you another question. How many of you who raised your hand, um, how many of you have had at least one sin since then? Raise your hand. All right. We're in good company, right? (laughs) Because, see, coming to faith in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect, and it certainly doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, and so we must have God's Holy Spirit in our lives, Acts chapter 3, 19 through 21. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord And that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all these things which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And the prophet Joel is the one that the book of Acts is referring to. The prophet Joel, all the way back in the Old Testament, foretold a day when God would pour out his Holy Spirit. And look what he says here in Joel chapter 2, 28 through 29. And it shall come to pass afterwards, after the Messiah has come, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men, I'm in that category now, shall dream dreams. And your young men, I wish I was there now still, shall have visions. And he says, even on the male and female servants in those days, he's talking about this church at age, I will pour out my spirit. And the fact is, is that those followers of Jesus might have had a moment or two of hopelessness, wondering what had gone on. Why did he leave Rise again from the dead, that sounds great for eternity, but what about now? What about today? What am I going to do now? I've left everything to follow this man. And then we read in the first couple chapters of Acts that God did, as Joel said, poured out his Holy Spirit on the first group of people that made up the church. And here we are today. And we're reaping the great benefits of God continuing to pour out His Holy Spirit on the church. His Holy Spirit is part of the reason that we still exist. That in 2022, regardless of famine, regardless of wars, regardless of of kings and kingdoms that have risen up, that His church has prevailed. It's part of the reason that we are still here today. And the truth of the matter, and I know I've said that like five times, is that Jesus told his disciples that this was going to happen. John chapter 16, the passage that I ask you to open up to at the beginning. Let's read verses 1 through 15. Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. By the way, the gospel of John uses the phrase, the hour is coming, or the hour has come, or your hour has come, dozens and dozens of times. And it was a bit of a literary, um, a literary uh, example or literary tool that he used, but it was something that Jesus talked about, that there was an hour coming. 
And there was an hour coming when he was going to go to the cross and an hour coming when he was going to rise again from the dead. And there was an hour coming when his Holy Spirit would be poured out on the church. And guess what, church? There's an hour coming when he is going to bring all of this to completion in the future. We don't know when that is. But John, in particular, talked and focused on how Jesus talked about the hour is coming. He says this in John 16. He says, this is Jesus, I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. Okay, it's Jesus and his disciples. They're close. They trust him. They've got a bond, a relationship. They rely on him. He says, I, I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. Look what he says in verse 2. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. That certainly ends up happening with the first church. By 70 A.D., 69 and 70 A.D., Jerusalem was sacked and burned and left in chaos. Verse 3, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me, Jesus says. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I didn't say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm leaving, essentially, is what he says. And it's time for me to tell you these things, verse 5. But now I'm going to see him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. When Jesus is talking to the disciples, wouldn't it be natural that sorrow would fill their heart when he's telling them, I'm going away? It's natural. I remember when my mom passed in 2015, sorrow, sorrow filled my heart. Still there in many ways except for I know where she is. And he was trying to communicate to them something that turns here in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. This is Jesus and his disciples. And he's talking to them and he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's one of the names of God's Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper. I want to come back to that in a moment. Verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. Watch what Jesus does. He tells them some of the great works of God's Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9. Concerning sin... Because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged, I still have many things to say to you, but I cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, there's another name for the Holy Spirit right there, Spirit of truth, helper, Spirit of truth. He will guide you, remember that word guide, he will guide you into all truth. Do you think that we need to know truth from a lie in today's day and age. The Holy Spirit can help us understand that. 
He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are are to come. He will glorify me, verse 14, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, that's a lot. And in one service, I don't have time to go into all of the different aspects of the work and the person of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talks about here. But I want to point out a couple things. He names him the helper. And he calls him the guide. And my question to you, those of you who are Christ followers who raised your hand a few moments ago, is, is he one that you are relying on to help you? Is he your guide? I mean, if you're really honest about it, do you go to him for help or do you go to something or someone else first? It's a difficult question to answer. It's hard for me, I'm going to be honest with you. Because our tendency is to go to ourselves. Our tendency is to go to someone else. Our tendency is to go to conventional wisdom or the latest self-help book or course or strategy or lifestyle or whatever it is. But Jesus declares that the one who was poured out on the church and resides in us right now, talk about that in just a moment, is there to help us and to guide us. And the fact is, is that he pours himself out on all believers when we're saved. Some of you may have grown up in a background where uh, you heard someone say, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they make it sound like it was like something that was just for them, right? Like this possibly can't happen to you. This is for me. This is my thing. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know, I want you to know that God intends for his Holy Spirit. In fact, when you are saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life at the moment of salvation. At the moment of salvation. And so it is not for a select group of Christ followers. It's not for a select group of Christians. It is for all who have put their faith in Jesus Christ at the moment of salvation. It's not in your notes, but John 14, 16 says... And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. There's that name for the Holy Spirit again. And he says, to be with you forever. To be with you forever. And so today, I wanted you to hear a little bit about the Holy Spirit. But the second thing that I think is important for you to know as a Christ follower is at the moment that you ask Jesus to to be your Savior, at that moment where you put your faith in him, you are the home of God's Holy Spirit. Spirit. And I know some of you are like, what? And some of you are like, yeah, I already knew that. That's cool. And some of you are like, I disagree with you, and I'm fine with that too. (laughs) But that's the fact, is that when we become Christ followers, we are indwelled by God's Holy Spirit. 
The problem is, is that we often ignore the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives, myself included. Have you ever had that moment? You've seen it in cartoons, you've seen it on TV, when you're about ready to make a decision to do something that is a sin, or it's unethical, or it's immoral, or whatever it may be, and you have that war going on in your mind, and you know, there's the there's the good angel and the bad devil that's like talking to you, you know, and we kind of laugh at that in the cartoons, but there's some reality to that when we're faced with that choice. See, that's when God's Holy Spirit can be your guide, because he's the one that makes us aware of the danger that's ahead. He's the one that makes us aware of the danger that's ahead. Um, years ago, Cynthia and I went to a concert in North Atlanta, and I was driving a friend's car, uh, and, and I can't remember, I think we were driving a friend's car because we were going to pick them up, and this was afterwards, and I turned on a road where there were signs that said, danger, road being paved, like, keep out, and I just went right past those signs, man. And I ended up driving through that street that had tar on it that was still wet. And I got to the other side, and my friend's car had tar all over it. And he and I, next day, cleaned it off. And I was super embarrassed, super embarrassed that I had done that. But I was really super embarrassed that I hadn't heeded the warning signs. I just missed it. It was dark. I missed it. I was tired. I was ready to go home. I missed it. And that's the problem is we fail to have an awareness that God's presence is in us, the helper and the guide is residing in us. It's residing in us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have a power at our fingertips who resides in us that we are not aware enough of. God, help us to be aware of your presence with us. You see, we have very little hope of being restored, repenting from sin, turning to God, making those right decisions, making those decisions that are best for us and the people around us when we aren't aware that God's Spirit resides in us. And so my first challenge for you who are Christ followers is to be aware that God's Holy Spirit is in you today. He's been with you ever since you were saved, and He will continue to be with you. Be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. And the second thing that I want you to, to, to know today is, is that once we are aware of the Holy Spirit's presence and work in our lives, then we should continually be filled with God's Holy Spirit. See, some theologies, some doctrines, some people say that you're once filled with God's Holy Spirit. I say that you, you and I are once indwelled with God's Holy Spirit. He takes up residence in our life from day one when we become Christ followers. But here's the deal. I don't know about you, but I run out of gas sometimes. Usually at night, and that's when I'm cranky with my family. 
How many of you are cranky at night like me? All right? Yeah. Seriously, it's like two people are cranky at night. How many of you are cranky at night? Come on, you can't lie. Okay, thank you very much for being honest. All right. So how many of you are cranky in the morning? All right. How many of you are cranky all the time? All right. All right. Yeah. Good. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Anyway. Okay. So anyway, I run out of gas at the end of the day. Tired, weary, worn out. The truth of the matter is, is that spiritually speaking, we as God's people who are already have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, in us, we need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing his letter to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 5, 18, I'm going to read three different versions of this today as we end. He said this to the church in Ephesus. He said, do not get drunk with wine. And he closed the book. That's how he ended the book. No, that's not how he ended the book. Not even how he ended the verse. He said, do not get drunk with wine. And I'm sure his purpose was to teach them that drunkenness is in fact a sin. But I believe that the greater lesson is found in the next phrase. Maybe not the next phrase, but the following phrase, which leads to debauchery. Instead, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you study the word filled there in the original language, it's not a one-time thing. It means it is actually a word that means to be continually filled with God's Holy Spirit who already indwells you. I want you to see that verse again, Ephesians 5.18 and the NIV. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. What a great verse. That should be all of our like personal life verse. I mean, I know it would look weird on a refrigerator, right? But that's it. That's how we can be restored over and over and over again. That's how we can have a guide in life that will lead us on the right path is if we choose to not be filled with other things but be continually, daily, hourly, moment by moment. Please, Holy Spirit, fill me right now. Help me in this moment because he already indwells you. Ephesians 5.18, in the New Living Translation, I love this. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. (laughs) Some of you are like, yes, it will. (laughs) But the bigger lesson, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. One more, I want to give you the message, which is more of a paraphrase. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. I love the message. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him. Don't you like that? I'm mean, let's be honest. Some of you really like that. Maybe that connects with you. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. I wish my Scottish grandfather had known that. <laughs> Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything, any excuse for a song. To God the Father in the name of our Master Jesus Christ. And here's where I want to end today, church. If you and I can understand the concept of 
the fact that we are already filled with God's Holy Spirit, or, or we already have the Spirit of God living in us, and that we can continually at any moment, every day, be continually filled with God's Holy Spirit. We're going to be renewed, be regenerated. We're going to be restored all the time. And I don't know about you, but I need that helper. I need that guide. And I don't need a one-time moment of knowing about it and then moving on in my life. I need to be aware every day. So here's the bottom line challenge for you today is wake up every single day. Just have your hands open. Just the quietness of your closet or your room or bathroom or your office or maybe your car, not while you're driving. And just say, God, fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we have the power of God at our disposal to help us walk in wisdom and in truth and in knowledge and in understanding. And we so often ignore the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. Oh, church, what would happen if you and I, if we all were more aware of His presence and if we, His people, understood that we already are filled, we already have the Spirit of God living in us and are filled every day and then are listening and are led by the Spirit of God, everything would change. So, Father, right now, I just pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would help me, that you would help us understand a little bit more about your spirit. God, I pray that you would help us to understand the truth of your word, that you indwell us at the moment of salvation, that everyone who has ever put their faith in you for salvation has the spirit of God living in them, And Father, I pray that we would continually, daily, hourly, whenever we need you, just stop for a moment and not be filled by other things, as Ephesians 5.18 says, but that we'd be filled up continually to the brim by your Spirit, which is indwelling us already. And Father, I pray that that would lead us to a place where we would listen to you through your word, through other counsel, through many different things, listening to the heart of what you want for our lives. And Father, once we listen, I pray that you would give us the conviction and the courage to be led by you. And Father, I admit that there's so many things in my life and so many things in our life that distracts us from the presence of your spirit. But Father, today, may this be a day that we realize the power of your spirit for restoration in our lives and in the days to come. Oh, we're going to need it. God, we're going to need it. I need it right now. I know you do too. And Father, help us. Help us to follow you so that we can see the great work that you want to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.